First of all, welcome to season two, episode 10 of the Table Talk podcast. Um, like I said, introducing everybody to the right of me, you got Sada Thabit, you got Abid Thabit, you got myself, Omar Thabit. The guests for today, we got Ali, the owner of Hype Athletics, and then we got Robbie Darwish, the director of SAFE and general manager at Hype. Today's episode is about overdose in our communities. Very important topic today. Um, where I was leading to is be sure to subscribe to our pages. You got YouTube, Oz Media, Facebook, and Instagram, Motivate Me 313. You can listen to our show later on Apple and Spotify Podcasts under Oz Media. You can even follow us now on TikTok, Oz Media. And if you want to call in, you know, this is an important topic about the community. I'm sure a lot of you are going to have a lot of things to say. The number is 313-306-1750. Again, the number is 313-306-1750. So feel free to call in. If you have any comments that you want to say, uh, we will definitely answer that phone and hear, hear your thoughts. All right. So with that said, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors. So as you can see behind my sister, we got BC Adhesives and the Balkan House Restaurant. Those are uh, two of our sponsors. And then we have the Kahwa House and Hanley International Academy. So Zach, can you please run that Kahwa House ad for us? So shout out to Kahwa House. And then we're going to get the show started right after this one. The Kahwa House. The Kahwa House is the first coffee shop of its kind. The Kahwa House is a family business established in 2017 for the sole purpose of providing the best quality Yemeni coffee with no added preservatives, artificial additives, or flavors. You can stop by Kahwa House to try their famous Yemeni latte, Adani Shahi, Mafawad, and Jubani coffees. You can also stop by to try their delicious pastries such as the Yemeni favorite sebaya, their sembusas, and their new menu item, Everything Mini Bites. There are currently four Kahwa House locations, with two of them coming soon as well to make it a total of six. There are four locations as West Dearborn, East Dearborn, Williamsburg, New York, Lombard, Illinois, with two new locations coming in Canton, Michigan, and Petersburg, New Jersey. So no matter where you're at in the country, be sure to stop by a Kahwa House and get a glimpse of what the Yemeni culture is all about. All right, so with that said... Uh, first of all, Ali, how are you? Um, thank you so much for coming today. Uh, I appreciate it. And, you know, I, I know you're a busy man. You got a lot going on. You want to tell people about what you do and all the work that you do in the community and everything else. Yeah, for, first and fall, foremost, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, you know, I appreciate it. And um, I'm very happy to see our community engaging and, and uh, the good work that's happening out here. There's so many good organizations, so many good people. So it's platforms like this. Uh, that I know that help, you know, broadcast, you know, the, the work that we do to everyone else in the in the region and in the community. So thank you to all of you guys and, you know, to the team. So I, I started Hype. Uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Hype. Um, and I started it in 2001. I was 19 years old. And my mission then was just to provide a drug-free, violent-free, and diverse athletic environment. My goal was to bring people of all walks of life, black, white, Muslim, Christian, Yemeni, Lebanese, Syrian, whatever they were, right? Just come together. Because if you're on my team, there was one common goal for us. What was it? To, to win. win. To win. Right? So it didn't matter how tall or short, rich or poor. I don't care how you prayed. Let's go. We got to win. And that I use sports as that basis to attract all these kids. Mixed them up on different teams. And it's just been blossoming since, alhamdulillah, you know? So, um, you know, hype really grew from the 2005 to 2010 era. Uh, those years, uh, we experienced um, a, a wide variety of, of athletic programs added to the, to the list, such as leagues and tournaments and training camps of all sports, basketball, soccer, baseball, football, uh, volleyball, and so on. Um, and, uh, 
you know, then, then the demand came where, you know, parents are coming to us saying, you know, my son or daughter is experiencing this in school, needs assistance in homework or, you know, lacking social or emotional development. So we added life skills as a social service component to hype. We added mentoring, individual and group mentoring. So the social services had nine different scopes from tutoring, mentoring, counseling, drug prevention, career development, health education, uh, life skills, as I had already mentioned, and so on. So we, we really um, understood what it meant to assess the needs of the community. And, you know, based on, on the current evaluation of different organizations trying to fulfill those needs, we then did what we had to do to fulfill them on our end to the kids and to the people that we were serving. Um, and then in, you know, in 2010, we received a, a large sum of money from the via the federal government to build our, our first dream home, uh, a home that I had planned to build since 2006. And, you know, Alhamdulillah, like that's a whole nother story. We'll get into that later, but, uh, you know, Alhamdulillah, like we, we got, we got a lot of money to build a beautiful center, um, and its location was ideal. It was perfect. It was convenient. No more than a 10, 15 minute drive for anybody in, you know, around us. And that's the Dearborn Heights one. That's the Dearborn Heights one. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the substance abuse issue continued to rise. You know, we were focusing on education and prevention programs. Um, and in 2012, we launched the Wayne County Substance Abuse Coalition that had uh, included judges and police chiefs from all over the county and, and teachers or administrators and so on. Um, and we began, again, to expand our prevention and education efforts. But we were we were past that, you know. Uh, so in, in 2000, 2009 to 2012, we added diversion. So now we're taking high school, middle school kids who, who, are, who have various at-risk factors, you know, um, and, and today we call them social disparities as some, but others are risk factors like low academic performance or single parent households, social economic status. These are risk factors, you know. Uh, unfortunately, you know, those, these, and there's dozens of them, you know, that, that we have uh, listed. Um, and we were referred these children uh, via the high schools, the courts, the juvenile courts, local court systems, police officers, parents, principals, whoever. You know, and we would take these these young kids and provide them with outlets that were positive and and, uh, and productive, and that would strengthen them individually to be successful leaders in our community. Um, and then it just got worse again. You know, the substance abuse issue. Uh, so in 2015, we decided to expand our coalition, um, but mainly focus on. The Dearborn, Dearborn Heights community. Wayne County has 43 cities. It was That's a big, huge. big target area. Um, but we had programs in Hamtramck, you know, at the Joseph Combo Center, I think, if I'm trying to remember correctly, is why a while ago. But we had programs there for, for years. Um, but like I said, you know, it got worse. Now we're seeing overdoses in our community. We're seeing heroin cases. We're seeing meth. We're seeing all these things right in our community, like, you know, didn't discriminate to us we thought it would never happen yeah you know cigarettes okay weed okay alcohol we, we get it it's available mm -hmm. on the corner stores whatever but gosh it got harsh you know the illicit street drug use really climbed and death tolls were climbing and um, overdose cases were climbing so we added intervention you know but again we we had to go back to the root which was you know education and prevention yeah because that the bottom line that's what is going to save lives and 
you know, unfortunately, and, and I'm sure I'm going more than just the intro right now. No, you're fine. You're fine. I mean, because that, I mean, obviously I was going to ask about the, you know, the hype and how it started, but. So, um, you know, our parents, especially our parents, right? They trust their doctors more than they trust Allah. Yeah. You know? sometimes, yeah I mean, that. real talk it's though, true. right? That's like, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll go there and doctor will say, yeah, you have A, B, C, D, E, F, G here. Take these 20 medications. And they'll take every single and one. And they'll take every single one. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm being sarcastic, maybe a little bit too much with regards to the comparison. Uh, but it, it, there's, a, there's blind trust when it comes to our doctors. And um, our doctors, you know, we, we can't assume that they're invincible. They made a mistake with opioids because they didn't do their due diligence when the pharmaceutical company said that opioids are harmless. Mm. And then dentists and, you know, doctors and, you know, you, you break a nail, they're giving you Vicodin, you know? Yeah. So, and that's where the cases really originated from, where the opioid use. Um, and then the misdiagnoses with mental health and behavior health and the medications they're prescribing to help relieve those situations in the household so for sure and, and that, that was going to be my next question but i'm sure we're going to dive yeah, into that more and it. yeah robbie i want you to, you to introduce yourself too. uh tell us a little bit about yourself you know i see that you like i said you're the director of the safe program and also the general manager at hype you know so you want to tell us a little bit about yourself yeah um so my name is Rabi darwish salam alaikum everybody um, i'm grateful to be here and thank you for having us on the show uh, this is uh, a very important topic and uh, thank you for allowing us to use your platform to get to somebody that we normally wouldn't be able to get to, right? Yeah. Uh, the one person that wouldn't reach out for help. But at least we can educate them. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm the general manager at Hype Athletics in Wayne. I oversee uh, programs for adult and uh, the youth. Um, we also um, have a program for um, adults with disabilities. Um, and then I'm the director of the Safe Substance Abuse Coalition where we oversee interventions pre-interventions peer recovery support uh, groups um, psych uh, th therapists um, of course uh, health and wellness life coaching personal training nutrition as well um, vocational training okay and um, and really we just tackle on uh, what, what what's going on in our city uh, I myself am in recovery I've uh, been in recovery for almost seven years now. Wow. Um, I went through 15 years of active addiction. So I use uh, what happened to me as a lesson uh, for others and uh, a bit of hope to help them get into recovery. And uh, all the experiences that I went through through the system, uh, I utilize today uh, not just only to educate, but um, to try to make a change. Um, you know, I, I just ran for city council in the city of Wayne where I live. Um, and I, I, I hope to have a career in politics, hopefully that one day I can try to make somewhat of an impact. I, I know that Ali mentioned that uh, we, you know, we had local judges and um, police, you, you know, whoever we had, I, I think it has to keep going on a, on a higher level to make some type of impact. Uh, because as Ali mentioned, the opioid uh, uh, epidemic, um, you know, it, it was created by a family called the Sackler family. They, they created their wealth back in the 60s when they create, uh, from the volume epidemic, uh, which is a benzodiazepine. And then in the 80s and 90s, um, they created Oxycontin, okay? And uh, what they did with that is they used a, a paragraph, a theory called breakthrough pain, okay? From a doctor in the 80s who had no idea. It was just a theory. Uh, so they used his theory 
And uh, what they would do is uh, they would lure family doctors and they would educate, they would, uh, you know, pay them a lot of money, take them to resorts and describe this breakthrough pain and say, hey, we have this evidence here. And so and, and describe this, uh, prescribe this medication. We had this trial for over a thousand people and it's non-addictive, but it, it helps you with pain. So what they did is uh, the doctors were very reluctant in the 90s. They, they were not prescribing, but then they succumbed to it. And um, and then they started prescribing this medication for everything, migraines, uh, headaches, you name it. And um, and then that sparked the opioid crisis, um, which kind of, uh, you know, it, if you look into it deeply, you'll see like um, coal mining towns in Virginia, West Virginia, that were very conservative towns, barely had any crime then they they it, it was transformed uh, into uh, prostitution gangs uh, <laughs> the the industry went down uh, they tried to sue and sue and sue um, uh, at even at the federal level FBI DEA agents uh, resigned over and over because the lawyers for the Sackler family uh, were were very well defended and what they would do is every time they would take the case to the FDA uh, they would hire the person from the FDA they would literally, they would overturn it and keep it, uh, you know, keep the regulation uh, going for OxyContin, and then they would hire them as, as a CEO mm. for, for uh, uh, it was called Purdue Pharma. And, and, and nobody says, bats an eye about that. So, so here's what happened, though. They, they so were taking money. They paid everybody off. Yeah. So, yeah. So what, here's what happened. They generated $12 billion, okay? It costed our economy so far $2 trillion dollars. Uh, the opi opioid epidemic, and uh, they ended up paying uh, seven billion dollars uh, in reparations, and and they no, none I of them. I think it was more deal. than that. Uh, Michigan alone got. Well, the Purdue Pharma alone, the, oh, uh, Johnson Pharma. and Johnson, and everybody else, everybody they all else. followed suit. So what that did is because uh, OxyContin was on on the front burner. So medications like Norco, Vicodin, Xanax, Adderall, everything else was, was pushed on the side. Like it wasn't as regulated uh, because everyone was focused on just bringing down OxyContin. Yeah. And, and what that did is it, uh, it, it created uh, a lot of people um, to go in the streets because we started, we started uh, uh, regulating uh, uh, pharmaceuticals the way you can prescribe. Okay. So what that did is that drove the, the prescriptions in the streets a higher Okay, and of course, with uh, the pandemic and the stimulus and and uh, unemployment, mm -hmm. that weaponized it. So that drove the price. At one point, one pill of Vicodin was eighteen dollars in the street, which inflation. normally I'm joking. It, 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 no, but that was before the inflation. We're talking about how it was weaponized, and then um, so why would I buy this drug when I can just go and get heroin, at, right? Which is really fentanyl now. Yeah. Um, you know, and I can get the same high for a fraction of the cost. And now when I say fentanyl, because uh, a kilo of, of heroin is about um, almost like $80,000 right now. But a kilo of fentanyl is six grand. Mm. So why don't I just cut this? And then that's why we have such a high overdose rate instantly. And, and death. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you guys know more than we do. It's in our community. That I'm, I'm just like me asking, like confirming, like this is in our community right now. And you guys are, you know, probably are, you know, seeing these patients and dealing with this. Like, because for there's people out there, 
you know, that are probably going to sit there and be like, you know, I don't, I don't believe it. You know, I don't believe that it's here, but, you know, you can confirm that it's here. Yeah, two people just died in our community. Mm. Overdose fentanyl. In their vehicle. Yeah, I've seen that. And that's very sad. That's it, very sad. It's 100%. In it's our, been here. Yeah. From heroin yeah. to crack to meth, everything. Yeah. And, 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 and it doesn't discriminate. All of our community, every single sect of our community is, is devastated by it. I heard that you work with, uh, you said, you know, with kids and adults. And I'm kind of scared to ask this question, but sure. how young are we working with people that may be dealing with, you know, an addiction? An addiction. Okay. Um, so when it comes to marijuana addiction, uh, we're dealing with uh, 12 and 13 year olds. Uh, we've had a, a case of heroin uh, that was 15 years old. Mm. So, um, yeah, we're, we're talking about middle school. High school. high school, yeah. And and who's bringing them in? Are they bringing themselves in, or is someone? No, parents, courts, mm. uh, family members. Yeah, yeah. It's a multitude of of people, you know, yeah. sisters, wanna... aunts, uncles, I and mean, it's yeah. Famous. I know you were saying earlier about the drug reps, how they take the doctors or whatever. They the drug reps do not play like they are in the doctors' faces. I used to work at a doctor's office a long time so ago. So you know. And they bribe, they bring things, they... Bring oh, my God. It, it It's a real thing, literally. Yeah. My brother is a pharmacist. Uh, he owns a pharmacy in Hemtramck, uh, Infinity Drugs Pharmacy. So, you know, we kind of have an idea about just that stuff. But, I mean, definitely nothing too major in terms of knowing what goes on and stuff. But, you know, you always hear about the, the pharmaceutical business and how it's, it's a huge industry. You know, the, the sad thing is they're cracking down on the pharmacies. Yeah. Uh, the truth is it's the doctors that are writing the script. Yeah. yeah. You know, and the, and the pharmacist has to just prescribe, you know, give the script to the to the customer. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, but we have heard, we have heard, and not all doctors are bad and not all no. right, pharmacists are bad, obviously, but there's the ones that are hustling. Yeah. And uh, they're hustling real hard. I mean, we've heard of, you know, recently in, in a city outside of us, but not far Maybe Livonia, Westland. The, the cough syrup. The cough syrup. That was wild, right? What was that like, was unbelievable. There was a guy that that like, got like, the lean, know, like yeah. three million bottles of cough syrup to make lean, like or some crazy number. I'm, I'm being sarcastic then, with thirteen, but it was like crazy or th- three million. It was yeah, crazy. It was I don't even know. And my thing was, why did like why was the money just sitting there? Like, <laughs> oh, that the, the one uh, where it was like fifteen million dollars yeah, in this like, house on a wall, like it was. Uh, Who's the guy from uh, Colombia, the drug lord? What was that guy's name? I don't know. Uh, I, I was just like, why was it just I'm there? Think I would have passed that out. No, 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 no. The guy from Narco, the movie. Narco. Yeah. What's his name? Oh, my God. He's going to come so, to me. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah, watch yeah. a lot of shows, but I have yeah. still, I watched that show. Anyways, this guy's yeah. hiding money in his wall. Like, yeah. come on, man. What are <laughs> yeah. you doing? I was like, like I would have, you know. Um, safe program. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like the stuff that you guys kind of uh, get into with that and, and deal with. I know you are focusing on mental health and, and, and addiction and stuff like that. Maybe tell us what y'all do. Uh, yeah. So uh, we're also we've we've also done three quarter housing, which is sober living. Okay. Uh, so people uh, would go to uh, detox and residential treatment center, right, to get clean, and then they would come uh, for aftercare. Uh, where they would be in a, a sober, uh, safe environment where they're overseen. Uh, we, we, we structure their lives. Uh, we help uh, people in recovery get jobs. We also have uh, four uh, Narcotics Anonymous meeting, recovery meetings at Hype Wayne, uh, where it's like a safe haven for people in recovery. Um, we've also hired, Ali hired me 
you know, uh, and we also have a, a lot of uh, people in recovery on our team with years of experience uh, that uh, sponsor. So it's almost like a mentor. Uh, we sponsor other people uh, in recovery to sh give them hope. Uh, we share our experience with them. Uh, we teach them how to be patient. That recovery is, is more important than everything in your life right now. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you have to focus on this. Uh, we, we, we created almost a position uh, that's not really, not, not a lot of people do. We, we take people to, to the psych. And uh, so imagine you're sitting there, you're, you're, you're dealing with this mental health issue. And you don't, you don't have, uh, uh, you're not used to being honest with anyone. And especially you're intimidated by this intellectual in a white coat. So we would uh, go with them into the room mm. and uh, basically give them feedback on how this per what, their per what this person is going through. And then when they would get prescribed, say, a psych med or whatever is going on. Now, this person Whoa. doesn't. Sorry. My bad. Is that no. <laughs> so the, uh, the, the you patient. Wanna, you guys want to pause? No, no, it's okay. So, so the patient would usually uh, won't know like how they're responding. They they, they would be agitated whether uh, they they were having trouble sleeping uh, or their reactions from the medications. But from through our, our observation, uh, we're seeing when they're sleeping, how they're reacting to the medication, their diet, mm -hmm. uh, um, just their behavior. So we're reporting back to the psych, so they can probably uh, properly get diagnosed and then ultimately titrate off this medication and try to live drug free. But uh, our main objective Pull is... Pull hands on. Yeah. Pull hands on. Medication-assisted They don't feel like treatment. they're alone, alone in the process. Yeah, it's a two-year commitment for each person. If they, if they go through this program for two years, like we, we have a 95% success rate. Two years. And it's the same agreement we have with the probation officers, the courts. We tell them, put them on probation for two years. They violate with us, they violate with you. Yeah. Um, you know, this is called our second chance program. But like Rabia said, we you know, from housing support. So tell them the process. So they go to detox, they come out, you got outpatient therapy, they're living in a residential program. We, we force them to volunteer. We, force, we say force, but it's encouraged, yeah. right? Like, hey, you're going to start working out, every one of you. Start exercising, because exercise releases serotonin, releases the positive hormones, it fixes you, you know? Also, I heard, like, sometimes to stop an addiction, you have to start another one, or stop a ha bad habit, start a, a good habit, it'll, like, help. In that sense? Yeah, we try to get them away from having the addic addic addictive mindset to anything. I mean, you know, they, they can start smoking cigarettes and then, you know, they uh, someone who's addicted to biting their nails will stop biting their nails and, like, do something else. Yeah. You know, so addiction um, in itself, whatever you're addicted to, could also be referred to or considered a mental health issue, right? If you have an addictive personality, you're a gambler, you're an alcoholic, right? Those are the worst drugs, right? But there's other things like, you know, you're addicted to coffee. You may not think of it as bad, but you're drinking, you know, five, six cups a day. Yeah. You yeah. know, anything excessive is not good for you. So you could be addicted to prayer, you know, and you pray all day and all long. All, all, you know, there's many hadith that say, you know, like who's taking care of your family, right? Yeah. If you're praying all day. So there, you, there's a balance. We want to teach them how to balance, how to structure their life and how to feel like their life is the most important. But how do you do something greater for someone else greater than you would do for yourself so we teach them that as well you know so there's a balance to everything that we do but yeah. you know the, the 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 men and women that have gone through our program you know led by Rabia and and our team um you know alhamdulillah like they they're on now have we lost people yes we've we've buried people you know 
Uh, we've lost men and women in our community. We've, you know, we don't like to say fail because it's on the person. If they want to yeah. be clean, then they're getting clean. We'll give them the, all the resources, full a job, you know, training for that employment opportunity. All that stuff is given to them. You know, I like to. Look I, I got a phone call, and this was actually one of our guests. Is Shadi Shabakh? He's a doctor. Um, I don't know if he knows that we are live. Maybe he's listening on. Uh, no, Dr. Shady is a great guy. Yeah, Dr. Yeah. Shady. Dr. I'm actually going to see him tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dr. Shady, how are you? Salam, how are you, Omar? I'm Salam, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I don't know if you're watching the show live or are you just uh, calling me because we are officially live right here. We have Ali and Ravi from uh, from Hype. Oh, nice. How are you guys? <laughs> how are you, Doc? <laughs> What's up, Doc? Well, Alhamdulillah, good. How's everything going? Going well, going well. Our topic today is about drug overdose. So uh, I, I don't know if you were calling me to have... I wasn't watching live, to be honest. I'm driving. Okay. But uh, <laughs> if you guys have anything uh, to ask, please feel free to ask me. Uh, I want to talk to you about something uh, after the show, inshallah. Okay, I'll definitely give you a call, doctor. Salma, yalla. Bye-bye. That's funny. Yeah, I thought he was calling. He's, he's our. That's who we refer all of our patients. Yeah, to. nice. Yeah, he's a part. He's been our go-to. Yeah. Um, forgive me. No. I, I yeah. Uh, he's been there uh, regardless of any time, uh, whether he was busy. He's always he always answers. Um, he always squeezes us in somehow, or 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 after work, like he, no matter what. He makes our work a priority. Yeah. Yeah. He's been a great guy to work with. Yeah, so we had him on a show talking about because uh, so we had a show talking about um, suicide, suicide prevention during Suicide Prevention Month, and then I wanted to have a follow up show about okay, what's the next steps when people are admit themselves to a hospital? So we had a nurse, um, emergency room RN, and then we had Doctor Shadi Shabakh, and yeah. he came here and he they basically just broke it down like what's the next steps and what they do and what yeah. they focus on. So, um, but yeah, honestly, this is a good. We have a question so far. So he said this person asked i know that fentanyl is bad but how is it compared to heroin like is it very so it's sim- 500 times stronger than heroin wow, wow. yeah so uh absolutely way so cheaper where did but it come stronger. From? it's a it's a combination of chemicals and poisons that are put together that that they make this product out of where did it come from so uh okay um so it was synthesized uh back in uh, i believe the 40s i could be wrong okay okay um, and so how it came, how it got flooded into our country. Now it, it's prescribed. They use fentanyl in surgeries. They Hospitals, use them. Yeah. yeah it, uh, it, it's used in a controlled environment, years, right? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so what happened was according to the DEA, uh, the drug cartels, they went and studied how to make it in China in about 2002. And then by 2008, their chemists really learned how to synthesize it themselves. Uh, and then they brought it back. And then that's when we had the explosion. Uh, that year, we had over 270 deaths in Detroit overdose. Just in Detroit alone, mm-hmm. uh, we had like 14 in one day. I don't know if you guys recall back in 2008 where they were just fi- finding bodies everywhere. Um, and it was something new. That's, uh, when, that's when fentanyl blew up. Yep. So yeah, that's how it um, came. And now it's just being pushed by uh, the drug cartel. Yeah. And they've done a really good job of doing that. And so go ahead, Sarah. Oh, just ridiculous. Yeah. And so I know we kind of talked about this, but, you know, I love facts because facts pretty much kind of gets people going. Like you said, it's 500 times stronger. Yes. So, you know, drug overdose, do you have, I know certain, you know, you can't share too much stories, right? But do you have like a story or or facts for us about, you know, statistics about in our community that 
people might not know of or might not have access to, you know, any kind of numbers that we should be concerning or we should be worried about. So when it comes to numbers, uh, the reason why they're skewed is because we fall under the category of Caucasian. Yeah. Okay. So that we don't really have that much data on Arab Americans. Okay. Um, but uh, I know for a fact that there is a 97% uh, failure rate. There's only a 3% success rate that you'll stay clean wow. uh, in, in our country. And... Um, I mean, I can give you a story. You want like a Narcan save or like just an overdose? Uh, I, I can describe to you what an overdose uh, feels like. Okay. Yeah, uh, I would love to hear that. So uh, it, it really doesn't feel like anything. It feels just like a blackout. Okay. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, one time I had, uh, I, I remember it was, I remember looking at my, at the time it was like 11 uh, a.m. I was going to watch a football game and I had grabbed a, a, a certain amount of pills uh, prescription pills, it was Vicodin Xanaxomas, and um, I took a protocol, whatever, like a certain amount that would give me the high, right? Yeah. Allegedly. Uh, and so I took the amount and then I forgot, I thought I didn't take them. Mm. So I, I double dosed. Mm. And uh, all I remember is opening the door in my driveway and then waking up uh, maybe like five hours later. And, you know, my Where family, were you? I was at home. So they, the guy with me and the neighbor rushed me into the house and my mom had, you know, like didn't even have a hijab on. And uh, my brother recorded me. Um, it was terrifying, you know, and then I, was, I felt so guilty at the time that whatever pills were in my pocket, I took those and I woke up um, in the ER. Um, uh, and I remember it was like, I, it's just a blackout for us. Yeah. We don't really feel anything, but the nightmare is the people overseeing it. That's the real trauma. Yeah. yeah, is everyone around you? Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty deep, right there, man. Yeah, and uh, yeah, thank you for sharing. No, it takes um, a lot to be able to share your story, but then again, the people that are hearing could hear you talk about it and, and see that you overcame it, and you know, find find he a way. Re out. He really did, and I'm a witness. I can testify to you know Hajj, you know Rabia. Three-time Hajj, three-piece. You know, and, and the amount of people he's, amount of lives he's saved and, the you know, the, the changes he's made to the region just by his presence. Not just Arab Muslims, everybody looks up to him as, I want to be like him if I want to be in recovery. You know, he completely flipped his, his whole life around. And he's someone that I admire. admire. And you're part of that 3%. Alhamdulillah, right? Alhamdulillah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Very very fortunate, very lucky. And because I'm part of that 3%, uh, I share my story uh, because I realize I'm, I'm, you know, everything that happened to me, I'm not here to please man. I'm here to please God. Yeah. And, and, and it's like a paradox. When you please God, you end up pleasing yeah. And uh, And I realize the more I share my story, uh, the more maybe hope I can give someone uh, to, to say, okay, wait, you know what? I'm... I'm 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 going through something like that, and if this guy can do it, then I can do it. For sure. You I know? have a question. Sure. I'm sorry. So, from the people that actually come in and, and want change, or you know, um, what are their reasoning? What are their reasons why they actually go to the drugs? Like, what are they trying to, you know, obviously life, but like, what what are they going through to make them choose drugs? Not just drugs, I guess. Like getting to the point where they want to do something like fentanyl, man. Because what, what, what it starts off with. Okay. Sometimes it's just recreational. Sometimes they're just hanging out with a group of people, and they all say, hey, you want one, you want one, you want one. I've never taken one before. Let me try it. And I take it, and I like it. And I'm like, hey, let's do it again tomorrow. And then 
you know, that one pill becomes two. And then, you know, like I'll tell you a story. Um, and I know it probably has many, many more, but one of our cases was um, this young man from our community um, got a ri- full ride scholarship to college outside of the state. I won't mention the state just so it doesn't even, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, it doesn't connect. Uh, but the person was offered Adderall. You know, and Adderall is a big kickstarter for a lot of these college so students. Amphetamine. Yeah. yeah, they get they get the upper. They get so they start with five milligrams and they end up taking thirty hundred. I know a person that was taking two hundred and forty milligrams of Adderall a day. That's crazy. It's crazy. You and yeah. I would die instantly right now if we took that. Yeah, your heart rate would just come out like it'll just rip your chest. Um, well, this guy started with Adderall and then they ran out of that Adderall at the time in college, right? His dorm roommate whatever didn't have it and um they they ended up his roommate said hey i got something else and ended up being crystal meth or meth Mm. you know which is an amphetamine as well it's a mixture of uppers right um with god knows what else you know every dose every package is made differently you know um has like drano has 25 uh yeah, it's Different just made rock. with like everything. Yeah. Tin foil. It's a very dirty drug. It's mm-hmm. very, very dirty. But if they if they snort it, just like they do Adderall, um, it's it's an immediate high to the brain. You know, um, stimulant. They're up for like three or four or four days. It's unbelievable. Mm. That's that's disgusting. Man. So I so, <laughs> I always com- <laughs> I always compare meth to. You ever watch? Um, that movie with Will Smith where he's in New York by himself and there's the fast-eating zombies that, like, yeah. chase you. Le- I Am Legend. I Am Legend, right? And they chase you. That's meth. And then, you know, the slow-moving zombie, like in the Michael Jackson movie? Yeah. Or Michael Jackson song, <laughs> Beat It? Or whatever that Thriller. Was. Thriller. Thriller. <laughs> that's heroin. Mm. You know? So you have downers and uppers, like extreme of both ends. Um, but, yeah, so this guy... Uh, you know, th- this this guy came back. I can't even I can't even say the last part, but he he contracted a very bad disease from it, um, non curable. Um, I don't want to even say what it is because I don't think there's many cases in our community that have this. Uh, maybe it was a bad example to use just because of the specific details of yeah. this, this case. Mm. Um, but it, it's it's terrifying. It really really is. It's terrifying. You yeah. know, to to see the things that we've seen and you know I know I know Hajj has. Um, many many more stories we we've seen them i mean we both were in the streets together like literally you know picking up our our sisters from you know the streets barefoot prostituting themselves like our people imagine that yeah what women tend to have a, a longer uh half-life in the streets because prostitution they have an atm between their legs you know that's crazy it's just the honest it's, it's truth. sad it's sad but we have thousands thousands of people in our community so safe, safe predominantly has been serving the Muslim, Arab Muslim community. That's our focus. You know, we do everything for free, volunteer, all of our time, all of our efforts. Um, some fees include housing. If they have insurance, the rehab centers charge for that. Um, you know, but everything else is free. We just volunteer our time. You know, um, but it's it's there's when I tell you thousands, it's so overwhelming. And people just don't understand because it's it's you have to want to be clean in order to get clean. Yeah, you can't force it. Moms call us all the time. Dads calls. Dakhilak, I love you. Please come save my son's life. I, okay. You know, I was on my way to a Lions game one time, and a mom calls me and says, 
he's trying to commit suicide. I'm like, I don't, who are you? What's going on right no. now? No. What is this? Are you, is this a prank? She's like, no, please. I got your number from this lady. Can you come? So I go to the house on my way to the Lions game. I got four friends with me in the car. You know, literally, we're on on our way. And I walk in and I find a tray. And I hope the listeners can can feel me on this, or the parents that are listening at least. I found a sinea full of medicine, like 30 bottles in a circle in the living room. You Open. walk you walk into the living room, it's right there. You know? If you're showing that to your kids that you're reliant on this, they're eventually gonna say if something hurts me, my, my mom and dad did it, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. You know, so you walk into a house who whose parents, the the mother is saying, My son is addicted to drugs. And you know, first thing I see is this, and I'm like, who's that for? Why is it sitting right in front of me? You know, if your kids are addicted to drugs, what is that? She goes, oh, that's for my husband. Well, what the hell's wrong with your husband that he's paying the mortgage for you, the pharmacist and the doctor right now? Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on? Yeah. And he walks out limping my, my hip, my back, like that song, you know? Yeah. <laughs> my neck. My, <laughs> you know, like, it's crazy, right? I'm like, what the hell's going on over here? This is, you guys are, this is a drug-using family, household. Yeah. You guys got serious problems. And this is what I told you in the beginning. Our parents trust the doctors more than they trust God. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. But it's our doctor's fault for taking advantage of people that are uneducated, who don't have the research capabilities to learn, to study, to understand the effects short-term and long-term of medication. You know? They'll see somebody who has high blood pressure, right? Well, that can be resolved through exercise and diet. They'll they'll put them on medication— and that's a lifelong customer for that doctor. A lot of the older generation, too, they're just like, oh, I'm not going to go work out. I'm not gonna, they'd rather tell the doc, give me a pill, you know? Yeah. Well, that, that, I, that, That's unfortunate. That's, yeah, it is. Th- that, there is that. Well, that's a consequence of our technology. You know, if they didn't have a television, they'd be up. Trust me. That's but, true. That is true. But and I, I, you, go ahead. Sorry. You go, you want just to real quick. <laughs> I know you were saying earlier, if the person doesn't want to change, um, you can't do nothing about it. I, I look at it as a, a door. You can knock on the door as much as you can, but they have to turn, mm. you know, the knob to let you in and, and accept it. So, I, I kind of had a, had a question. Um, is there a specific time in the year where it's like worse? Oh yeah, holiday uh, season. Okay. Of course. Well, summer. yeah. We, oh really? Well, um, what would you say? I think the summer is spring summer when they're out in the streets partying. I thought suicide happens mostly like during Thanksgiving. Suicide, o- overdoses. Winter, yeah. yeah. Um, well, more people tend to come to recovery because they need housing uh, in the winter, so the, the, the treatment centers are flooded. Uh, but, yeah, summer. Yeah, summer is use. Drug use is in the summer for sure. Alcohol. Yeah. It's easier alcohol, to acquire, especially it. around here, yeah. you know, because uh, it's They're not out. cold. You see them on the corners. You see them You want to seek shelter in the winter. Um, it's kind of scary to think about this because there's people out there like me, like, you know, you have friends that do things, but like hearing this deep, deep stuff, it's like, man, it's kind of it's, it's scary because it's out there, and some people are just so blind to the fact that it's happening. So, okay, I got three things. <laughs> we held you back. All right, so I, I'll, I'll 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 tell you what. Okay, so there's a disease factor. Okay, um, and so when it comes to recovery, or or addiction itself, right, which is substance use disorder, um, when somebody's sick. Okay, so say they have cancer, okay? And um, so the family's, uh, you know, going to rally around them and they're going to encourage them to go seek treatment and then they're probably going to change the environment at home and change mm-hmm. the diet at home and they're going to encourage exercise. They're going to do all these things, right? Um, 
and they're, and they're not going to allow this person to even work probably you know people are going to raise money we raise money in the community mm -hmm. we do all this stuff to make sure this person stays alive right I see where you're going you see where i'm going mm -hmm. all right same concept he just has the disease of addiction all right he's stigmatized by his family as a failure he's stigma we stigmatize ourselves so um and then we fall through the cracks now think about this you know um let's say okay one out of five people have uh, a mental illness in, in our country okay um i'm not sure what the stat is when it comes to addiction but for how it works for me like the allergy the disease factor is ali might take a a, a percocet whatever oxycontin i'm gonna take one he's gonna get nauseous and probably vomit and 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 be very drowsy and go to sleep Here's the disease factor on my side where my allergic reaction is it's motivational for me. My dopamine receptor, receptors flood. It's very euphoric for me. Mm. And because it's such an imbalance, right, where it raises my neuroadrenaline, it lowers my neuroadrenaline so much. It has such an impact on it um, that I want this thing again. I want this. I want I, and it, my, my levels don't become normal for a while as opposed to his get back to normal instantly so he can just move on with his life so i become dependent now uh what what also happened in our country is the fact that they were prescribing it so if you i, I got a knee injury that's how i got addicted to opiates wow you know now i i did stuff before you know that i was influenced by now to answer your question okay why is this happening right uh when it comes to recovery it's about i used to hear this it's about attraction rather than promotion okay now let's go to addiction what was my peer pressure? A lot of people offered me cigarettes, drugs, you name that, and I, and I, I didn't even care. I, I saw people when I was 12 years old behind Lori Middle School smoking marijuana. I'm sorry, um, at the gas station at the Marathon on Schaefer, right behind the dumpster, people would smoke cigarettes. And, and, a, and I think at that time there was two people in the whole school that smoked marijuana. Offered it to my friend and I for two, two years. We didn't even think about it. My peer pressure was me sitting on the porch watching these guys uh, wear their jabroed pants at the time, mm -hmm. CK shirts, get in their uh, uh, Trans Ams and get in their Supras and Corvettes, bless Tupac. And then I found out, you know, a couple of people close to me smoked marijuana, did all this stuff. It broke my heart. But then a couple of weeks later, I was like, I became curious. If my family member did it or my peer, the people I look up to did it, then I'm going to do it. Attraction rather than promotion. Make sense? Yeah. yeah. Same concept. So now recovery, right? How did I get clean? You know, I went to treatment 20 times. Um, I was facing nine years in prison, right? Today I have, I have no, no felonies, nothing, zero. My, my record is clean. You can't, it, it's unbelievable. We can't even find a mugshot of me. It's crazy. <laughs> so sometimes when I'm presenting people, like I tell them, like I'm, I've gone through this when we do the court advocacy. So they're researching me. They're like, hey, we couldn't even find a mugshot of you. What's going on? You know, I'm like, hey, wait, I'm, we're actually searching for it. But which is a good thing, right? But yeah. so when I was spiritually bankrupt, hopeless, all this stuff, and then, and then certain people came into my life. Ali Sayyid, you know? Um, you know, going uh, late at night, a man that has four children, CEO of a, a, of a nonprofit that is busier <laughs> than anybody I know. Uh, and, it, you know, I know why I was going to see this, this intervention late at night. Because this is what keeps me clean, right? Helping another 
a person get into recovery. And then I look, and, and again, it's the attraction, the examples, right? And um, because I needed hope, right? My perspective was always bad was good. I used to root for everyone, uh, all, all the, the, the criminals in every movie, uh, all the bank robbers, you name it. I wouldn't even want to watch the end because they got caught. Yeah. <laughs> right? My wow. perspective, right? Right. So how did this pendulum swing? How, how did we swing this? Uh, and then, you know, I look to the left and I say, uh, I know why I'm doing this. Why are you doing this? And he would say, this is God's work. I mean, uh, you know, and, and, and this is late at night where, and volunteering has nothing, to, it's not going to benefit anybody. You know, and then uh, uh, met somebody, two weeks of knowing them, taking me to probation when my family wanted nothing to do with me. And I said, hey, why are you taking me? You know, it, it, it was a woman. I, wa I want to share this story with you because this is a very deep story that n I've never shared before. And I, I've been wanting to share it for a while. I was going to actually uh, share it at the uh, naming ceremony for Abdel Haydus. I really was because this is a very powerful story. So this woman, okay, again, my perspective, why is this woman helping me? I, I met her two weeks prior, and that's when I met Zach, too, my sponsor, who gave me hope of, of staying in a three-quarter house at the time. So uh, she goes, um, I, I said, I looked to my left again, and I say, why are you doing this? And uh, the response was, because they did it for us. I said, well, how do I pay you back? And they said, well, when you have it, you give it to somebody else. And, and it kept coming. I'm like, okay, what is this person... You know, they want something sexual. Like, I'm not understanding. They, there has to be something this person wants. Yeah. And uh, it turns out that when I met this person at a meeting, this person's sister had 35 years of recovery. Okay? Wow. Service, right? Recovery. Been serving, sponsoring, advocate for recovery. Dying of brain cancer on the bed. Would not even smoke marijuana. Was dying of pain. And so her sister is coming, and, and, and this person has 11 years of sobriety. Her sister, right, the one that's with me in the car, that would take me to probation and, and get me blankets and all this stuff uh, uh, because I had nothing. And, um, and she, told her, um, she told her about, hey, I met the, this guy at a meeting, and, you know, he was, you know, he's complaining, one, two, three. And this woman, her son, is, it was in North Carolina in a psych ward going through a THC psychosis. So marijuana does cause psychosis, guys. Wow. Schizophrenia. So her son is suffering because she can't control the situation. Her sister tells her on her deathbed, she said, you have to serve that guy. You have to help him. You have to serve this guy. And so she helped me. She's been like a second mother to me. Till this day, I still talk to her. And her son today has a child and is married. Oh, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So... It, it, you know, like uh, th these people that came around me were, were just a blessing. It's that attraction, right? Yeah. The same concept as when I used there was that attraction. I, I and and it just questions all of us in the community. The how are you way. living? Yeah. How are you living? Why are these kids the way they are? Is big. Who do you think they're learning it from? Us. So, you know, how when we're pointing the finger... One goes up to God and three points back at us. Wow. SubhanAllah. Somebody just posted that today. And yeah. I was just about to say, when you're pointing the finger, how three is pointing right back at you. But I like, right. the, I like that, the part about God. Yeah, because I had a career in blame. I wanted to blame God for everything. Because mm -hmm. I wouldn't take accountability. But really, it's us. Yeah. 
I have a couple of questions. What was the toughest part about recovery? Uh, like the hardest thing that you had to deal with? Um, changing my life, uh, being accountable for the wreckage of the past that I caused, um, and the triggers. In the beginning, you're, you're very, very sensitive. Um, your, your chemicals are very imbalanced. Uh, your, your neuroadrenaline is not normal. Your dopamine, your brain doesn't develop as much dopamine. Um, that, that's why we exercise, so we can develop these endorphins that help promote dopamine in the brain. Um, it was very depressing, it, it, you know, but being around Ali, which was encouraging, uh, hype athletics, you know, people just uh, uh, being there for you and the, and the recovery program. Say, they would say this. They would say, keep coming, more will be revealed and keep coming till the miracle happens, wow. you know, and when all of this would go away uh, uh, eventually, you know, when the cravings would stop, you know. So back then I couldn't imagine uh, uh, ever not using and today I can't imagine ever using ever beautiful I can't even comprehend that concept you know yeah you're gonna have to change the uh, the whatever call to the uh, a bank a and then give them a round of applause shout out to Zach by the way uh, he's back there as well and as he's going I think applause is like it says uh, yeah it says applause on it. There you go. <laughs> The crowd. A little, a little late, but sorry, the crowd is. Uh, you know, there, there, there was an awe of the story, but they, they got the claps going. Go ahead. I know you. Yeah, and, and 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 the stories just keep going and going and going. I, I, I was homeless at one point, and I never told Ali, and I was, I, I needed ninety dollars just to live in a place, and uh, it wasn't even payday yet. And and I asked him, and he, uh, he gave it to me. It was not even a question. Now you got to understand. Nobody trusted me. <laughs> Nobody trusted me. And that was my next question is, how hard is it to find a career when people might see the history that you, you may have had in the past? And, you know, it's probably not easy to find like a job or a career. Uh, in, in the beginning of recovery, it's not. Okay. It's not easy at all because you have to focus on your disease. You know, uh, you have to you, now you're in remission. Right. So I'm, I'm in remission from stage four cancer. I'm going to have to learn how to live a certain way and I have to maintain that discipline. And then once it becomes a habit, right, I'm free from it. Now I can probably pursue a career mm. that takes years yeah. of development, right? Same thing with recovery. But I just happen to be in the right place, you know, at the right time being around, you know, someone that uh, fully encouraged me, you know, had faith, you know, showed me faith, uh, took me to Hajj. You know, for my first time. And then going to Hajj, then he started a program uh, where we would, uh, somebody that would have a year or more uh, of clean time that was practicing the deen, um, uh, you know, former Hajjaj would uh, sponsor the person to go. Wow, that and, is and, 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 awesome. and we just kept right, we it sent, going. We sent a lot of people to Hajj, alhamdulillah. The community did, but. The community. Like we, we would go out. Well, you facilitated it. Yeah. It takes, we, it takes a facilitator at the end of the day. Alhamdulillah. No. I always, I always, when you know, he gives other people credit, uh, and I know he gives Allah a lot of the credit, but Allah chooses who He pleases, mm -hmm. right? It's in the Quran. Mm. He chooses who He pleases to follow the straight path. He mm -hmm. says that, but He also says, because the Quran seems like it's contradictory, but it's all a lesson, right? He also says it's up to you to find the path. Free will, yeah. So, so in his case, you know, um, the, the 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 path that he's on today was because Allah chose him. How did you find him? And then before yeah, when you were saying that. he trusted you, why did you so, trust him? Like, I want to kind of... It's, it's my, for me, it's my obligation to see my people successful in anything yeah. that they... For, for my people, right? 
I care about everybody. I've proven that for 20 plus years. I care about everybody, white, black, rich, poor, I don't care. But as a Muslim, growing up and being an Arab and, you know, living in East Dearborn, but being bused to West Dearborn schools and experiencing that, you know, like, no one will understand as an athlete what I went through going to Dearborn High in ninth grade making the basketball team and everybody getting a new jersey except for me. Mm. You know? No one will experience that. And it's I'm the only Arab on the team. So <laughs> I don't care what you tell me, you know? If that were me, I would have made sure that that Arab kid got the new jersey and I'd make sure the best kid didn't get the new jersey because <laughs> that best kid was going to be the best kid anyways. Yeah. Right? He's going to shine. It doesn't matter. Go ahead, shine with that, bro. Yeah. You know, but they gave me the the, the old jersey. You yeah. know, the, the old Michael Jordan, Daisy Dukes. Now they're back in style. But the <laughs> old Michael shorts, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was the only one that had them. And it's crazy that you still remember that. Yeah, it was traumatizing. Yeah. yeah. It's, That's yeah. why I started hype. I was traumatized in high school as an athlete. I was a four-sport athlete. Mm. I love sports. I was the best athlete in my neighborhood. My my years and before and older, I was all-state soccer, baseball, track and field, and basketball. And I got traumatized in basketball, and it was my favorite sport, next to soccer. But it was my favorite sport. I played it all year round. You know, so imagine, you know, I had a tryout, and the coach tells me you have to be there at 5 a.m. I'm like, coach, I take the bus. How do you want me to get there? My my dad gets off work at midnight, works at GM. He's not bringing me at 4:30 in the morning. You're tripping. What do I got? You got to do something. I can't make it. My mom doesn't drive. Does your mom drive? Yeah, believe it or not. But she was one of the few people she's, she's yeah. Yeah. growing up in the neighborhood. Yeah, like it was like very right, well, rare. I mean, my very mom rare. didn't yeah. drive. Yeah. Still doesn't drive. Yeah. You know, my so, mom too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, hey, coach, what am I gonna do? Hey, you make it, you make it. You don't make it, you're off the team. That gives you the whole. I got there at five oh seven, bro. I'll never forget it. This is the trauma. This is my trauma. Five oh seven. The coach told me leave the gym. Uh, Ooh, wow. Where you want me to go? <laughs> I don't ever ride back home. How are you going to just kick me off the team and take everything that I love away from me like that, heartless? Yeah, I'd never want to see that for another kid. That is I never want to see it for another kid. And that's what I experienced. And that's, you know, like, yeah, I could have went a thousand different ways. But, you know, I'm the, like, I have a daughter, my, my third daughter. I'm the third child. My third daughter, relentless, man. <laughs> she's just like me, Anaya. You know, oh, she's yeah. just like, like her personality. Her older sisters will, will pick on her or say something. She don't care, man. She's tough. And I'm like, that's good. That's how you got to be. Yeah, the middle child usually yeah. has that personality. <laughs> yeah. um, th- that's There's so many good things here. And I, I always try to figure out, like, what am I going to pull later on as a clip so that people could know that we had this show. <laughs> like, I don't know what to pull anymore, man. There's so Amazing many deep coming. stories. You know, just just whatever whatever benefits the people. Yeah, that's you know, what I'm trying to still Whatever benefits out. people. Look, we have a way out. Tell the people this, the listeners. If you're listening and you know somebody that needs help, you know, we're a phone call away. We're not hard to find. Um, we have a hotline number. Um, but really, we, 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 we need you to educate yourselves and learn how to get your family member or yourself clean. That's what's critical to us because if not, we're, we're headed towards a devastating situation in our city and in our community. And it's devastating. Like, it's bad. Yeah, we, for sure. I took a we, couple we don't see it. A couple of things from what you said. Um, the fact that coaches play a big role, a huge role. Yeah, of course. With a Vital role. 
and it's important to understand where the child's coming from, the situation the child is going through, like him, the coach not caring or having the empathy of what you're going through and like literally shutting off a dream, you know? Yeah. He could have um, made him rain. He could have right. made him run. Yeah. Anything. I would have I swept the floor on my knees. Yeah. Something. You know, like, yeah, what are you that doing? Potential are you that's just take that away. Pushed away. That's messed up. It's but messed it's okay. Look what it prompted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Exactly. Everything uh, happens for a reason. Speaking I've, of... I've, I've trained... I'm not, not no, nowhere near exaggerating. And I've probably trained over 100,000 kids in basketball. Wow. In 20 different cities. Probably motivated from that moment. I, I, I run right. into kids. I don't even know who they are nowadays. And they say, you are my coach. You taught me how to play basketball. And I, I don't care if they went pro. I don't care if they played college. I don't care if they're a janitor. It makes me feel good. Yeah. 100%. For sure. Uh, you want to run the, our second ad for today, which is Hanley International Academy. And then uh, we'll go... We'll continue on with the show. Hanley International Academy. Hanley is a school that treats every student and staff like their own family. It's even in their vision statement, educating your child like our own. Did you also know that Hanley offers a virtual academy? So if you're looking for your kid to sign up for an online school, look no further than Hanley's virtual academy. But if you're looking for face-to-face, Hanley International Academy is located on 2400 Denton Street, Hamtramck, Michigan. The athletics there are great. The academics there are great. Shout out to the whole staff for being great teachers and educators for our leaders of tomorrow. Uh, so, Ali, there's a couple of people I want to see if you know, because people were mentioning you uh, to me beforehand. And they were like, do you know him? And, I'm, you know, me, I'm from Hamtramck, so I didn't really uh, know too many Dearborn people. I'm starting to learn a lot more um, as the time goes on. Uh, do you know uh, the, the uh, Lefala and Ahmed Sufi from Immigration Tax and Services and uh, uh South End of Dearborn. Yeah. Uh, just one moment. Do you know Gus uh, Taha? Very well. Okay, because he's the one that runs the league that we're in, Hanley International yeah, yeah, Academy. Yeah. We played a championship game at Hype. That's why I was wondering. He maybe yeah. had that connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at Belle Isle, yeah, they play every yeah. Belle Isle's our soccer, soccer and flag football is yeah. over there, too. We had, That's our Belle Isle. Yeah, that, I mean, I figured. the athletic complex is ours. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that's why I was wondering uh, when I read about that. I was like, oh, so I wonder if he rents it out from you guys. Yeah, then. yeah. We, a, a, lot of, a lot of kids... Um, a lot of kids from the South End, East End. I mean, they, they all played hype throughout many years, yeah. all the time. I helped them at Edsel Ford. I helped Coach Juice, um, you know, train a lot of these kids. We picked up a lot of kids to play on our AAU travel program um, from all, you know, all, all over. Like, we're, we're, the, we're the Arab team. Yeah. You know, when we go travel in Indiana or we go to, you know, wherever or across the country, you know, where we're playing, we're, we're the all Arab team. Yeah. Maybe one or two white kids, one black kid. You know? Yeah, for but, sure. But I, I have to create that for our people because um, some of them, like today, is different. Today we have talent. We can compete with, and and I, you know, if there's a strong team, I don't care who's on that team. I'm gonna put that kid on the strongest team. That could, that team could be made up of of nine black kids, two white kids, and an Arab. You yeah. know, uh, but you know, I want to see Dearborn advance. You know, I want to see Dearborn Heights advance. I want to see the Arab advance. I want to see them boys and girls have. The confidence and the leadership opportunities, you know, to be successful, because that's what sports is at the end of the day. It teaches you how to be a leader, for sure. You know, it teaches you how to win and lose, of course, and all those yeah. other characteristics. But um, you're a leader. Yeah. You know, you got you gotta lead yourself. You got to lead others. You got to lead the team. Yeah, lead the team. So I, I have, you know, we we generally create, you know, local teams made up of mostly kids from the Dearborn Dearborn Heights community and, and abroad. Some are outside, but you know, they need a chance. 
Speaking of leaders, that is actually my next question. Uh, we have a lot of leaders in the community. Mm -hmm. I don't ever hear them talking about this stuff. You know, they're focusing on other things, not saying what they're focusing on is not important. But, you know, you guys telling me this is all kind of news to me. Nobody really talks about it. I think we kind of shy away from having this discussion as a community. Um, why is it important for leaders to have this kind of discussion? What's cool about talking about we, what we've been talking about for the last hour? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you're saving lives, man. Okay, we're saving lives, you know? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah right? yeah. Attraction. But it's not attractive, man. You no. think we like the field? You think we wake up in the morning and say, oh, boy, I can't wait to go save a life? Yeah. yeah. No, man, it's I can't rough. stand it. It's rough. It's exhausting. Yeah. It's tiring. You help it. someone, you want to beat the hell out of them, lock them in a basement, and chain them to a pole and give them medication to overcome his withdrawal symptoms and then free them after three months. Like, I, like you think of the m most craziest things to get someone clean because you love that person, yeah. genuinely. Genuinely. We love this person. I barely know him. I love him. I, wanna, I don't want this sister of mine to, to, to be on the streets anymore. But she has to meet me halfway. You know? The parents are grieving. You know, they're buying, they're buying uh, grave sites. And their kid is still alive. But they know what path they're going in. Mm. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, there's nothing cool about what we do. We don't, and there's nothing, we're not like, you know, making Facebook posts about, hey, we just, you know, can't, can't even talk about it. Yeah, because, you know, it's anonymous. And th there's a lot of people that I encourage uh, from me speaking out, they speak out, right? But you don't see what's really going on behind the scenes. Uh, and it's it's extremely difficult because indirectly our society enables it, right? Yeah. So when we're working with families, they don't indirectly they're enabling. So we'll we'll, we'll have come up with a whole relapse prevention plan, great intervention, everything is going well. One person will succumb; it's over. Yeah. The person will we will go through great lengths, especially right now, which is the hardest time to get into treatment. Just for an example, yesterday they had to kick everybody out of treatment because they had a COVID outbreak. So they have to replenish the whole entire thing because there's an outbreak, right? So now they're all in the streets. We had, we had two people there. Yeah, gone. Now they're, they're... Now they're back out on the streets. Yeah. So... The restart. Yeah, they're in the streets now. Oh, oh who knows? They'll, they'll come back or not, basically. Yeah, whatever. There was another 45 people with them that are in yeah. the streets. Yeah. But uh, that's just one treatment center, right? And uh, the majority of the people that are seeking help are, medi you know, they have Medicaid, which is terrible. That's, that's very, very bad uh, uh, form of health care. Um, and uh, the unfortunately, the, unfortunately, we have the richest, wealthiest government that can do everything for free for everybody. Send money everywhere around the world. But we have the poorest people. education system. We have the poorest health care system. We have the poorest everything system. We don't care about our seniors. We don't care about our health. It's ugly. But, um, again, there's, there's a lot of enabling factors, right? So uh, it's, it's very difficult. We take every, every client that we have is personal. It's yeah. all personal. Mm. It's I all have, yeah. Sorry, I have a piggyback question from what he said. So what do you recommend the leaders of the community um, talk about or uh, put a, shine a light on or um, advice to, for the community to help prevent even like certain things that we do that we can stop doing or change or I know you were saying the medicine keeping it out watching what we're doing being an, an example but what are some things that we can let the community know yeah there's there's a lot of habits you know our community has 
Um, definitely one, taking medication and daily medication in front of your kids is definitely a bad habit. All medication should be hidden, should be kept private, um, you know, and, and not exposed to, to the children. You know, regular behavior is very uh, um, contagious. Um, as far as the leaders go, we're servants. You know, I, I, I can't, I can't, um, I encourage leaders, you know, to, to speak out on what they know and what they're, what they can, you know, confidently uh, display messages with or on topics wise. Um, I, I encourage our leaders to stop putting pressure on our masajid. You know, yeah. they're, they're going to these, you know, shucha and, and siyid and saying, you know, it's your fault. What are you doing? All you do is funerals. Well, it's all they do is funerals because it's, there's so much death. Yeah. You know, there's so much death. But every mosque I know is trying their butt off to try to educate and trying to come up above and beyond. Our, our religious leaders are, are are having to learn about We're things, things other than the Quran, Hadith, and, and Islam, Deen, Fiqh. You know, like they're not studying. They're putting that aside now. Forget that. What can I do to, to save somebody's life? Yeah. And, but and they're not social workers. They're not therapists. Right, they're not. They're psychiatrists. That's not their job. And, but we, and we like to point the finger, as you said. Yeah, point right. the finger. But I want to just add to that. Forgive me for cutting you no, off. Um, they'll even uh, start speaking about it at funerals. Oh, why is he... Sp- this is not appropriate. Then when is it appropriate? Yeah. Yeah. When is it appropriate? And we've <laughs> gone to funerals where the family... We've clearly helped that kid or tried to help that kid, you know, um, we might have gotten to the case too late uh, and they refuse to admit to the family members that are visiting or, you know, that it's it's an overdose. Like, hey, there's there's a chance you, your son's death, I, not to not to, you know, uh, take advantage of it. Right. But your son or daughter's death could save 100 lives if you as parents can go educate other parents on the, the experiences that you went through. Yeah, they don't have to die in vain. Yeah. Do you recommend parents to like maybe share their story? And uh, yes, yeah, they absolutely. Have to. It, it helps them with grieving. It's yeah. it's a process yeah. of grieving. Yeah. It's, it's you're supposed. Who are, to. who are we here to please? Yeah, who are we really here to please? They're not failures. Parents not. didn't fail because their kids use drugs. Why, Belakis? Like you know, we 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 we. My parents, you know, loved me, provided for me. You know, gave me everything I needed in life. If I chose to do drugs because of a recreational experience or, you know, a girl wanted to go out with me and I said, hey, you know, she says, hey, come try this with me. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to be a sissy. There's a million reasons literally why we make stupid mistakes, you know, but my parents didn't do nothing wrong. Why would it be their fault? For sure. For sure. And and, and real quick, you know, as far as our leaders go, um, we do have a leader in our community that is stepping up. Uh, Mayor Abdullah Hamoud, he created, as soon as he got uh, elected. Yeah, he's the man. Dearborn Public Health uh, Department. That's so funny. I have, that's my next question yeah, about yeah, okay. that. I mean, that's what I was going to say is that they launched a new campaign, that Narcan vending station. Oh, I don't yeah. know if that's what you're spe- specifically talking about, but, you know, it's aimed at stopping a drug overdose. I guess, what are your thoughts on that and how does it help? It's a step forward. Yes. It's definitely a step forward. Um, you know, Mayor Hamoud, uh, Chief Issa, Shaheen, uh, the fire department, Chief Murray. Uh, these are close allies. The judges are close allies. And we go to Dearborn Heights, Mayor Bazzi, you know, Judge Turfey, Plowecki, uh, the, the magistrates, former and present, uh, Lawrence, uh, um, 
I forget his I forget how to pronounce his last name. Lauren, do you remember his last name? I don't recall. It's like sorry. a it's like a <laughs> Samihna. Anyways, if, he, yeah. if hopefully he doesn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you know, uh, you know, there's there's Chief Brogan. All these we're close partners with them, you know, and um, they're they're playing a very vital role. But definitely, I would I would definitely agree to that. Hamoud is kicking butt. Um, he's really trying to tackle the issue. The issues is we're, we're, we're fighting. We have very small army climbing up a very steep hill and there's millions of risks or factors shooting down on us. That's what's happening. And we look at these things from social media, TV, mm. but the impact of these, just those two things and cell phones, right? And then we add school, then you add rap music or all kinds of music, even cowboy music or uh, what is that? Country music has things about drugs, sex, and alcohol now. You know, it's crazy. They, they're they rapping in a different tone, you yeah. know? But that's what they talk about. Sex, alcohol, drugs, violence. Like, that's what everybody talks about. And, I mean, then you look at video games and there's so many factors out there that are just, that's, the, that's who we're fighting against, you know? Yeah. And, um... My take on the uh, on the Narcan, yeah. uh, big step. The reason why is uh, it's going to save so many lives. It's going to encourage people uh, to save somebody that might be in, in an overdose or at risk. Um, you, you know, somebody your neighbor can possibly get it. They know that somebody's you know uh, family member doesn't know anything about Narcan doesn't watch this podcast, doesn't, you know, nothing, right? Yeah. Like maybe uh, my mom, you know, she's in her 80s. So the neighbor might have it and then, you know, might say, you know, might come over for breakfast and or, or shy or whatever it is and then give it to her and say, hey, if you ever see your son passed out, you know, hit him with it. Um, and why it's so good, uh, naloxone, which is a consequence of uh, the opioid epidemic, right? Uh, but it was created back in the 60s or 50s, I believe, uh, then dispensed in the 70s a little bit through the medical field, but there was no training. Uh, and then now it's uh, 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 really, really dispensed out there. Now, pharmacies, they sell it for $75 or for two of them, it's $150. For Narcan? For Narcan. Uh, and it's being dispensed for free, though. Everybody. Well, yeah, but no, not not like the way it was. Now people are paying for it. Oh, wow. But look at how we're getting it for free from the vending machine and uh it saved my life oh wow yeah you know uh you can't get high off of it if a child were to get it and spray nothing will happen if the child is not on any opiates nothing will happen but what will happen if somebody was on opiates and they were to they're taking opiates it'll put them in perpetual withdrawal he can't die lives with it oh yeah i've done two narcan saves as well um dead yeah, when I yeah, one so person did it. He had to use two kits. Yeah, I had to use two kits on on one person. Uh, they were turning blue. They were uh, choking. Uh, their feet were underneath. It was like they, it was like they're kneeling, but their body was rolled back and it was a limp body. Mm. Um, it was yeah, he was pretty much dead. And we had to, I hit him with uh, four of them, and uh, he thought he had bought cocaine, but it was fentanyl because it's white. Oh but. Um, and, and, and the good thing about it, it's, it gives somebody a second chance, man. That's the whole point. It's staying alive long enough to get that chance. Because you might save someone like me that might actually say, oh, okay, I went through this for a reason. I have a purpose. I have a passion. 
God did like this was my test, and therefore this is my I'm, this is what I'm going to do with it. Right. This is not going to be in vain. What happened to me? All these lessons, right? I'm going to use this to to do God's work. I'm going to do this to serve the community. How long did it take you to fully recover or get to the ability where you can help people? Uh, <laughs> well, Ali, in, 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 in uh, the SAFE program, I, I, was, uh, I started speaking uh, four months sober immediately. Oh, wow. It was terrifying. And he started overseeing other people getting clean in the process. Yeah, but I was in a safe environment. Right. That's what it was. And by then, I had made my decision, but regularly going to meetings, went through a 12-step program, uh, went to therapy. Sorry. No, go ahead. Continue. Yeah. I, I have to keep it on loud just so people call, but yeah, the yeah. unfortunate thing, you might have random people calling sometimes. But go ahead. Yeah, no worries. Um, and uh, uh, so I was working a program simultaneously. So whatever I was re uh, uh, learning in real time, I would be passing it. So uh, yeah. every time I'd sit with Ali, I'd <laughs> tell him, hey, I learned this today. This is the language. Wow. And I'd, you know, what is like the normal rate? Like how long does someone normally take? To like it depends on the, the length person. of time they were using. And the drug. And the drug. You know, sometimes the, the amphetamines or the benzos, they have a long-term side effect to the brain. It literally rewires, especially Adderall, mm. rewires the brain. Amphetamines. Yeah, amphetamines rewire you, you know. So it takes up to two years, you know. That's crazy. When you say Adderall, I always think like that was like the yeah. pill to keep for... Um, People focused. Yeah. Yeah, like and Ritalin. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Um, but it's like yeah, taken it's, in other ways. But, but for they 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 uh, abuse them. They they commercialized it. So yeah. they weaponized so, it. So this drug, okay, it was uh, formerly known as pervitin. Okay, the Nazis created it, or a German scientist. So if you if you look back at a video of of Hitler during the first Olympic Games, he's rocking. Okay, so he was uh, addicted to pervitin, uh, which is amphetamines. And they used it uh, with uh, the Nazis and, and the Wehrmark uh, and during the war. To, they, they were known as super soldiers. But imagine the decision-making, right, that was led in this war. <laughs> that was somebody under the influence. All over the place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Imagine the erratic behavior. It doesn't even make any sense what he did, but imagine. And so uh, drugs like that take many months. Like, uh, for an example, meth uh, crystal meth. It's such a hard and dirty drug. It you sometimes go up to nine months of withdrawals. It's mm -hmm. it's it, it, it's very rare you can come back from that. Uh, schizophrenia uh, starts to occur. You start to hear voices um, from, you know, from you marijuana. Know, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the length of time it takes for for that for crystal meth. You know, now our doctors are saying you want to get off of drugs, get on Suboxone. It's a harm reduction drug. It allows you to function while you're, you know, receiving the opioid. Uh, needs of your body and your brain. Uh, the withdrawal symptoms of Suboxone can last up to 90 days. Method, uh, methadone, which is a typical drug or, or medicine used for someone to get off of heroin. So they give you a daily dose of methadone. So there's methadone clinics all over the country for former heroin addicts. And they give them this because it allows you to function while you still feel your body f gets the high, but you're not high, high, you know, you're functioning. Mm. Um, and the withdrawal effects of that are like 60, 60 plus, 45 to 60 days. So they get you off of drugs. They put you on another drug. It's mm. harder to quit that drug than it is the drug that you're on. It's unbelievable. Uh, real quick, I want, I want to add to that. So it's called harm reduction. The whole point of, of them dispensing it is to 
aid the destruction that they've already caused, right? Keep them alive. And keep them alive and essentially not to commit the crime. So lower the jail rate, lower the crime rate because, you know, when uh, like 90% of the crime committed in the United States is, uh, is substance use related, just so you're aware. Yeah. So a lot of the stealing, you know, that's what I did. Like you steal. Uh, I'd take Xanax and I'd wake up with deodorant in my room. I wouldn't even know why. There'd be $300 in my pocket, but I'd wake up with deodorant, you know? I, I wouldn't even know why I'd steal deodorant. I'm, I'm dead serious. Mm. Mm. But um, THC, marijuana, okay? So marijuana, uh, early on, we've noticed a lot of schizophrenia as a cause of it. Uh, uh, and it weaponizes mental illness. Anybody with an underlying issue, struggling. We've, we've seen kids uh, fighting their families. Uh, their lives become unmanageable. We didn't understand what was... I didn't understand what was going on. I used this substance, but of course I'd go to harder drugs. But I couldn't understand the consequences. Like, we're like, wow, what's happening? And we realized that this drug has been weaponized. Um, it's been manipulated. So 25 years ago, the drug was at 3% THC, which is tetrahydrocannabinoid. And now we're talking 30% for the regular, 60% for the oils, and then the dabs is at 90%. You know, there's, it, there's stronger marijuana than Oxycontin now. Doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. You get super high. Yeah. You're talking about people that are highly addicted to marijuana. I get DMs all the time. Rob... I'm addicted to marijuana. What do I do? No problem. Let's get you into treatment. So what does the system do when they legalize it? They say, guess what? You're going into intensive outpatient. There is no more detox for that. Why? Because we're not going to fund it anymore. So now you can only go see a therapist via uh, Zoom. Good luck. Wow. Good luck. You go through withdrawals. You go through massive withdrawals, high anxiety, your eyes dilate. Um, uh, restless legs, uh, you cannot sleep. I mean, I had a friend that went to Palestine and couldn't sleep for three weeks. You know, now he's living a better life when he came back. But he's like, Rob, I, I couldn't sleep for three weeks and I've only been using the substance for a year. This doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, and, and it sounds like from hearing all this, I mean, I, I'm sure you guys hear the theories about this too, but all this, when it comes to the pharmaceutical company, I feel like this is something where it's like it's all done purposely you know in a way where it's like they get to and I, I know it's hard for you but, but no, i know you're just kind of smirking over there not that it, i mean it's like it's just a consequence theory, of somebody capitalizing yeah, conspiracy man. theory yeah. level discussion like i we just focus on the realities yeah, like, yeah. You know, I, sure. I'm, not, I'm not gonna go real back. time yeah conspiracy is cool those are nice Real time. I'm yeah. telling you real time. Yeah. Yeah. We got to just, we can't, we don't I'm spitting time. facts out, things that I've seen with my eyes. I, I don't even speak in, in uh, any other way. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Deep. I, I have a, a son going into high school next year and I. You just scared her. Kind of. <laughs> you know, I mean. We encourage you. Take the steps. Be bold. Yeah. You see something, call it out. Why not? That's your son. Alhamdulillah, we have a good relationship. But, good. you know, you can't really, sometimes in the wrong crowds. He's, he's into sports. Good. That's a good thing. Um, we'll keep him there. But, you know, it, it's scary to know that this is happening, you know, in our community, in our I backyard. Ha I have a question. You know? So I remember back, uh, my, you guys can hear me, right? Yeah. I remember back um, when I was in elementary school, our, this, the school I was at actually, like, introduced us to these drugs okay and like how to you know like stay away from them and all prevention and whatnot like the deer program or i remember there yeah i remember how old she's too you? young no, she's too young for I, deer yeah i don't think it was a deer program i'm 25 okay yeah she's so she's too young um 
I was just this guy that would come and, you know, it was every year, but I remember it was fifth grade and there was so much controversial conversations because they were like, you know, these kids did not know this, but you just introduced this and now they're, you know, you might get them curious. So that's what happened to us with deer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but now it's different. Yeah. When when is they all early? That's true. Yeah. They all know. Mm. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. They all know what it looks like. They seen it on Scarface. TikTok, TikTok, you name it. Yeah, yeah Snapchat, whatever. That's whatever. Because I didn't know none of these stuff until, you know, we had that program. Program. Yeah. That came in. I, 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 this is a lot. This is a lot. And I feel like one show doesn't even do it justice. Uh, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. When um, you told me, I was like, wait. Uh, it's a lot. Are, are they ready? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. It's but, a very broad yeah. topic. Yeah. Yeah, we, we could. I can talk about hype just hype the story of hype for three hours yeah you know and we've done that you know but we're not we're you know um i know there's there's an objective for us we accepted this opportunity this gracious opportunity Mm. uh because it's important for us to deliver a message you know whether it be to motivate you know your little brother to start his own organization one day and to help people and to help serve you know, great or a listener, same concept, right? Or to save somebody's life, or to, you know, maybe a maybe a concerned mom or dad has a has a child that's you know, or, or you know, acting, you know, erratically in the household, or you know, just staying to themselves in a the room. We're seeing that a lot too. You know, lack of social behavior, lo- social communication development, it's critical. I mean, they're sitting on their phones in their bedrooms for hours and hours and hours. Mm-hmm. What could you be doing? Even if you're talking to people, like your friends, back and forth with your thumbs, like is that really how we communicate now? Socially inept, we become. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we we have, you know, we have a, a social responsibility as individuals and the organizations that we represent uh, to help guide. Um, we don't see it as competition. You know, if you want to do what I'm doing, let's go. I'll help you. I've helped from seventy plus countries. I've helped them start organizations like Hype. They fly into our country to meet with me to see how we operate, who we are, what we do, and how and Isn't why. It, um, access opening something like that too. We we heard the um, we we've, we it's new to so. us. Yeah, it's Inshallah. new to us. Like it is yeah. new to you. Inshallah, they do great things. Yeah, I mean th- this is a we can't wait to work when, with them when it's yeah. when it's Allah. God's work. You know, you know the more the merrier. We do it. We need them. We need them. We need a leader. Someone has to lead us through this process. We're not trying to say that we are. We don't have, you know, uh, the millions of dollars that's, n- that's needed to to build state of the art facilities. We know if we if we did, we know exactly the type of facility we would build, and it'd be a sweet facility with residential, with workforce development, with detox, with outpatient therapy, with a college, with you know, with with uh, you know, career career training for for you know hvac electrical framing whatever trade carpentry they want to get into we got it come because we would ultimately focus like if i had the money i'd I'd buy the old hyatt regency and convert that (laughs) to a rehab center voila that that would be the dream but it's not bad yeah i i don't i'm not i've i remember walking through that building for the same purpose maybe five years ago yeah yeah we walked through it. it wasn't didn't work for our need we we bought a church in lincoln park uh, and we're we're hoping to convert that, um, but the the city opposed the plan. Yeah. So we are in the process of selling. We should be closing soon, and then upon closing, then we'll 
we have other ambitions inshallah ya rab Shab. if allah wants Shab. it to happen it'll happen you know yeah. um our intent is just to help people yeah you know so we we were at his mercy and will whatever he wants us to do we'll do but we do work hard for what we want to do we don't just think you know we sit back and let god you know do all the planning he plans but we have to bust our butt to make sure that his plan comes yeah. to fruition 100% and i like the fact that you guys also house them because at the end of the day if you want if a flower is not blooming, you have to change the environment, you know? So taking the environment is the only thing that, that's the problem. That's number one. That's Uno right there. Yeah. Everyone go. Get them out of Dearborn. If they're in Dearborn, get them out of Dearborn Heights. If get they're in Dearborn Heights, get them out of the neighborhood that they're in. Away yeah. from the friends. Take their phone, delete their numbers, delete everything. Change their phone. You have everything. To. Everything. It's everything has to change. Shut off your Facebook. Shut off your Instagram. Everything. Shut everything off. Yeah, everything was a trigger for that, me. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a reward. If you do well, you can have your Facebook back under our program, mm -hmm. under yeah. our social, you know, all social media platforms. Yeah. If you're doing good, you can have it back. And they, they follow, man. That's structure. It's military yeah. style. But you know what? Do we, we get a lot of resistance? We've Absolutely. We've saved a lot of lives. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, of the ones that stay, that lived it out, they, they, if they could, they'd, they'd kiss our hands. Yeah. Well, we, you know, it's like they know that what that worked. Structure is what I needed. Yeah. You know? Very interesting. Very interesting. Like I said, man, we might have to get you guys come back, man. Inshallah. Because this is inshallah, like, you know, because we're pretty much winding down to the end. And my, yeah. my, I guess my final question is advice, man. Advice to someone that may be uh, addicted and, and is struggling to take that next step and, and, and to maybe, uh, you know, bring themselves in or, or you know, yeah. what, what, would, what would the advice be? Uh, it, it would be a suggestion. There's no really advice. Um, the suggestion would be, well, number one, you're not alone, okay? Um, we do recover. We can live a great life. You know, I have a great life today. Alhamdulillah. I have people that trust me. Alhamdulillah, I'm accountable. Um, I'm reliable. Um, you know, I, I, uh, my family loves me, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, please reach out. And it's all anonymous. Nobody ever has to know. You know, it's completely discreet. Uh, you call 1-800-241-4949. It's just a five-minute screener, okay? Uh, be honest with them. It's not an emergency, you say, because then they'll, they'll send uh, <laughs> a cop uh, for, like, to the psych ward. No, you're trying to seek uh, uh, treatment. Uh, five-minute demographic followed by a 20-minute screener. Um, you have to get honest with them. The first time I made that phone call, I was terrified, you know, that I was getting honest with somebody, but they're there, they're trained, and they've heard it all. So if it has a name, it's been, it's been heard, you know? That, that number that he just shared is to the Detroit Wayne Mental Health Authority, or Integrated Health Network is the new name, Detroit Wayne Integrated Health Network. And what they do, they manage the Medicare dollars and the block grant dollars if you don't have insurance. So if right. you're insured or uninsured or underinsured, um, you go through that process, you screen, and then they place you into a detox center. So we have direct relationships with certain detox centers that we trust, that we work closely with. So once you, you know the client is provided with what's called a reference number, they come back to us, and then we provide them with the rehab centers that, that are vetted. Um, but uh, just to add to what uh, Hajj was saying, um, we also have a hotline number. Three one three six one five zero one nine six. Right. Three one three six one five zero one nine six. Text it, call it. It's not a twenty four hour hotline, but we get back to everyone every day. You know, um, that's the number they want to get to if they want to get a hold of us or 
they can call up hype they you know either one either hype location mm-hmm. and all of our staff are fully trained on w- how to redirect the calls to the right person uh, to make sure that that person is given the the top attention uh, needed you know because we understand the, the gravity of the situation uh, and and the last thing I would want to say is uh, if nobody told you they loved you today then I love you Oh. We love you. Damn, that's deep. Yeah, can we get that? That was a perfect time well, for a round of applause. Is. Zach is nodding his head. We got to get the round of applause, <laughs> Zach. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh, I think the crowd got it. They, they ended quick. The crowd is at the same time, huh? They're all on the same page. Uh, with that said, uh, first of all, thank you, both of you guys, man. This was this was a very thank informative. You. Thank you. Thank you. definitely a no, special seriously. type of a person and people yeah for sure you know not everybody can do this man i'm not gonna lie to you i'm just thinking about all the things i'm only imagining i'm a little stressed out yeah like <laughs> mentally i wouldn't be able to do it like i would not be able to do it one day at a time that. yeah you will i mean inshallah you know i want to i want to be able to help people you know I'm, but it's just it's tough i know you guys deal with it a lot it's not easy it's not easy um, but this is, again, this was season two, episode 10 of the Table Talk podcast. Uh, our topic today was about overdose in our communities. You know, we had Ali and, and Rabi in, in the building today, and uh, these guys had a great conversation. Um, I want to make sure I also say, make sure you guys follow us on Oz Media 313's YouTube page. You can listen to this show later on Apple and Spotify podcasts under Oz Media. You know, you can follow us on our socials, Facebook and Instagram. It's Motivate Me 313. TikTok is Oz Media 313. Um, I hope you guys enjoy that. Shout out to the sponsors, the Balkan House, Hanley, Kahwa House, and BC Adhesives. We appreciate our sponsors as well. Um, final word, and, and ladies, I'm going to let you guys, I know you guys have any questions or any final comments or anything like that? You guys said pretty quiet. Was it a lot to absorb? so much no but thank you guys so much for doing what you guys do it's really nice the reality of what's happening is kind of scary but having people like you guys in our community is uplifting and hopefully can make a change i have a question uh just you know we work with students we're not ending yeah i know i'm sorry (laughs) i wanted to end it i wanted to end it but maybe can you can can you uh like uh, like see things in, in young people that I know you, we're not supposed to diagnose, right? We're not supposed to, like, predict. But I'm just saying, like, can you, like, be, like, tendencies? Like, you know what? Maybe I need to keep an eye on this person or check up on this person because this person is, you know, while they're still young. R- risk factors. Yeah, risk factors, too. Starts off with long, curly hair. if they got that puff on top you gotta watch out for that yeah you gotta you gotta spot them 20 bucks force them force them to a haircut please get him to do it no i'm just playing so risk 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 factors amongst kids grades you know uh phone activity um social activism like activities like who they're hanging out with look i i hate i hate to judge we're not judging but single parent households have a higher tendency of of exposure why because the kid misses natural for us to want mama and baba in the house it's natural you get what i'm saying so if if a child doesn't have baba when he needs baba and he only has mama so what is he what happens he gets a little depressed or he feels like he's missing out on something we we need we, we need to find all these risk factors. The only way to do that is to understand our kids, to talk to our kids, not talk at our kids, to talk mm. to our kids, to listen, listen. to them, you know, um, and, and understand the good, the bad, the ugly. 
you know. And I, be a I, safe I have, space for them. I feel like a lot of the times the parents, um, kids are scared to talk to their parents about certain things. So yeah. the parent being a safe space for the kid to come to. 100%. You know, so fortunately, no, no, it's okay. Fortunately, you know, we have, we have, we've been exposed to the best holy book and the best prophet, right? And they've warned us on how to raise our children from zero to seven and eight to 14 and 15 to 21. They've taught us that. Now, parents don't know how to parent. We don't. And I, I mean that lightly. I don't mean that with heavy terms like we are all stupid as parents. No. Parents don't know how to parent in a sense where, you know, if, if a child comes to us depressed, we don't know what to do. If a child comes to us overexcited, energetic, we tell them to shut up, sit down. Why are you so hyper? Calm down. I want to watch TV. I'm talking on the phone rather than listening, right? So in addition to the, the situations um, that our, all families face with their children that are severe, that, are, that require a lot of attention, a lot of, a lot of time, um, and not knowing how to, how to resolve these situations as parents, because we learn every day, right? Every, we learn, we try to remember what our parents did to us. Well, you know, I can't take off the belt anymore, yeah. you know? Um, but, you know, we try to remember, like, okay, what did my mom do? You know, well, I never really did that as a kid, so I don't really know what my mom would have done. You know, so, um, you know, it, it's love, it's listening, you know, it's it's caring, um, and it's just being patient, man, and being being the best example for your parents, or for your kids, I'm sorry, for your kids as a parent. So uh, the risk factors, man, you got to you gotta see strange behavior, erratic behavior, are they changing their personalities, are they not showering, are they not sleeping, oh my God, there's a kid that didn't sleep for like four or five days, like high school like what are you doing how do you not sleep for four or five days that's a mental health disorder yeah there's 41 severe mental health. Health, 41 severe mental health disorders you know yeah very uh getting honest yeah getting honest about it no i i, lo I love that and don't I be think, shy parents yeah. can't stay away from that if they have a problem don't be shy to go seek help talk don't worry about an ass They're yeah talk about, about it talk about it because it can be so much worse when they're 21 22 and you didn't do nothing about it or you right. tried to hide it and now they're on the streets you know smoking crack yeah, yeah. you know for real and and we are like as a society we we're losing the, the household the family the household because of all the outside yeah, yeah divorce rate is high and um you know people getting married and having children and again the two parent it, it's really important it's vital yeah somebody has to hold them accountable thank you guys thank yeah. you guys i'm gonna keep saying this thank you so much um you know i'm sure we've just got educated on something that we weren't as educated on so thank you so much just for ourselves let alone the people that are out there now i feel comfortable kind of somewhat having these kind of conversations where you know let them know that like, it's out there it's out there and you need to believe it um, it's out there. And, and I'll direct it's them to the show. It's next door. Yeah. Yep. It's well, in these neighborhoods right now. For sure. And there's people like you guys here to help. So. Oh, absolutely. Inshallah, in more. Inshallah, you guys and some other listeners can help because we yeah. can't do it alone. We're getting 100%. beat up. Any final words that you guys want to mention before we officially close this out? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. No problem. Thank you. Uh, again, season two, episode 10 of Table Talk. Hope you enjoyed this conversation. Um, and please, please, please take something from this and, and, and hopefully you instill it in your everyday life and, and hopefully you can help someone as well in the future. <laughs>